Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and just one verse we are just going to read, but keep your Bible open and we're going to just lift one line out of the one verse. It's verse 7, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the ministry in song and worship. And we thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit. We ask you now, Father, that you would settle us in our seats and you will settle our hearts. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to hear your word, not to be listeners but also, Lord, to receive it and do whatever thy word would tell us to do. Help us to see the Lamb of God. Help us to see the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. Holy Spirit, do your work. Glorify your name. For Jesus' sake, I ask it. Amen. We want to speak this evening on the Christian Passover. Last week here and Christendom, if you want, was celebrated the time of Easter. And in the Jewish Passover, I think they hold it a little later um, in the month, maybe this week and next week, I think it is maybe. I haven't got my dates 100%, but it's a little later. You want to speak on the Christian Passover and what the Christian Passover is. You see, everything that we have as Christians... Everything that we are as a Christian, everything that we need as a sinner to be saved and to be kept is found in Christ alone. Nowhere else and in none else. And even Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, he's speaking of purging out old teaching that is not right. He speaks of old lifestyles that holds us back. He speaks of unrighteous living. He says, let yourself become, and he terms it, a new lump. In other words, the lump is that dough which is made with leavened or unleavened bread. The leaven causes it to rise. False doctrine causes ourselves to rise, causes humanity to rise, to be puffed up in religious service, causes humanity to trust in denominationalism causes us to trust in everything but Christ alone. Just the other day, I was speaking to our brother, Jim Dranning. We were speaking about how even people go to the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. You want to go and visit it? That's fine. But there's no special merit in the Weeping Wall in Jerusalem. There's no special merit in writing a prayer or a request and putting it into the crevices that it will be read later or put in a sack and buried that Christ will read at a second coming, which many believe. There is no merit in anything but the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nowhere in this earth nor in the entire universe under the heavens whereby a man and a woman can be saved. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us, Paul tells us. In other words, Christ, our Passover, 
listen, has been slaughtered for us. Christ our Passover has been put to death. Christ our Passover has been butchered. Christ our Passover has been killed for us. Christ the Lamb of God, our Passover is sacrificed for us, he says. The spotless Lamb of God, the holy Lamb of God, the sinless Lamb of God, the precious Lamb of God, the chosen Lamb of God, the anointed Lamb of God, Christ, the Son of the living God, the Lamb of God is sacrificed, slaughtered, butchered, put to death and killed for you and for me. Paul is telling us he is our Passover lamb. And Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. He is the Christian's Passover. Notice God's lamb is our Passover. God's lamb is our lamb. God's lamb is our substitute. He takes our place when he dies on the cross. God's lamb is our provision. In other words, he is the one who comes with salvation. He is salvation personified. God's lamb, in other words, is given for us. God's lamb is given for you. God's lamb is given for me. God's lamb is given to us. God's lamb is not from us. It's nothing to do of ourselves. It's not of our works. It's not of our offerings. It's not any more than little sheep or lambs or goats that go into a temple. No other sacrifice but the lamb of God, Christ alone. So Paul is telling us in such a short sentence, God's lamb is, a, is, is God's covering for us. Jesus is God's lamb, as John the Baptist says, which taketh away the sin of the world. The Lord Jesus is God's lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world, the Bible tells us. In other words, God's lamb being slain wasn't an accident. It wasn't an afterthought but rather it was preordained in glory. Before there was a sinner on the earth, there was a Savior in heaven, and in the mind of God, his Son was crucified on the cross of Calvary for us. It's the idea of this. God is not taken by surprise. The Lord Jesus is our salvation. The Lamb of God is our redemption price. He is salvation for us for you and for me. Listen to what the Bible says about your salvation and mine. In Jonah chapter 2 and verse 9, it's proclaimed that salvation is of the Lord. Salvation isn't of you and it's not of me. You cannot save yourself. Salvation is of the Lord. Psalm 18 and verse 2 says of the Lord that the Lord is the horn of my salvation. The horn means the Lord is the strength of my salvation. He is the strength of your salvation and the strength of my salvation. In other words, I am not saved because I decided to be saved. I am not saved because I thought to be saved. Rather, the opposite. I am saved solely on the grounds and foundation of the cross work, the finished work on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the horn of our salvation. My salvation stands in Christ alone. The strength of it is in Christ alone and in nothing else. It's not in who I am. 
It's not on where I'm from. It's not on what I can do. It's not what I can achieve. It's not how good I have been, but in Christ and in Christ alone. Psalm 27 and verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. In other words, He is my salvation. He is salvation personified. In Christ alone, my hope is found. Here also in Psalm 37 and verse 9, it says, But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. The salvation of the righteous, listen, is of the Lord. Not of yourselves, but of the Lord. And then again in Psalm 68 and verse 20, God is called the God of salvation. Jeremiah the prophet, in Jeremiah 3 and verse 23, he says, Truly in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. In other words, there is no salvation outside of God, and only in our God can he save us. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, Peter says, He is our Lord, and he is, he is, not he does, he is salvation. Neither is there salvation in any other. Peter says, Acts 4 and 12, For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Speaking of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other's name. And the fact that reads in the original, it would read, Neither is there any second name. There is no other name. There is no other salvation. He bore our sin. Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. My brother Andrew Laird read this around the table this morning. I want to read a few verses of it again this evening. Isaiah 53, verses 5 to 7. Now, when Isaiah had uh, prophesied this, Isaiah had spoken this under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Listen, 700 or 750 years, round about that, before Christ was born in Bethlehem. Listen to what he says, but he was wounded for ours. He was wounded for our transgressions. Listen, Christ was wounded for your transgressions. Get it into you. Understand it. Take it in. Christ was wounded for you. And you think you can bear your own sin and clear yourself of your own guilt? But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. When Christ was on the cross as the Lamb of God, bearing away our sin, our Passover Lamb, sacrificed, slaughtered, and butchered for us, he then, what is known, took our sins. It's called the great transaction. He took our sins upon him. He took our sicknesses upon him. And we took his righteousness who are all found in Christ. Yes, he is our Passover, which is sacrificed for us. Verse 7. Listen to this. It's very important. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. He was oppressed for you, for your sin. He was afflicted for you, for your sin, for mine. He took it. He bore it. 
He took it in his own body on the tree. He bore it all the way to Calvary. He was kneeled hand and foot. Christ alone and men and women think that they will come and enter God's kingdom and glory by their own merits and by another way. If we could, then Christ need not to take this. Christ need not have died. Christ need not to be afflicted. Christ need not to be oppressed. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he openeth not his mouth. Now listen. He is broad as a lamb. I notice that. He is broad as a lamb to the slaughter. 700 years before it happened. 700 years plus before it happened. Through the spirit of prophecy, being the testimony of Jesus, through the prophet Isaiah, he sees him bearing shame and scoffing rude. In my place condemned he stood. Shield my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah! What a savior! He saw him. Says he has brought Christ Jesus, the son of God, He is broad as a lamb to the slaughter. Listen, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Notice he's broad as a lamb to the slaughter. Christ our Passover. Christ our Passover. His sacrifice for us. He has brought, in other words, he has led, he has brought to the killing place. That's what it means. They took him to a place to die. They took him to a killing place that Ken might be saved, that Ken might be forgiven, that you might be cleansed from all of your sin. Christ bore it all. Oh, brothers and sisters, we have a lot to be thankful for. We have a lot to be grateful for. We have a lot to praise him for. Will you say amen, brothers and sisters? He is worthy of the praise. He alone is worthy. He has brought us a lamb. He's put to death. Listen to some of the scriptures. Matthew 26 and 59. Now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death. They brought him to the place of death. Listen to Matthew 27 and verse 1. When the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. The only reason that the enemies got together and unified in an evil spirit was to extinguish the Christ of God. And they nailed him to the cross and they led him in a tomb and he rolled over a stone and they set a seal upon it and a Roman guard on it. But yet on the third day, up from the grave, he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. He arose the victor from the dark domain. He lives forever with the saints to reign. (laughs) I'm going to start singing in a minute. He arose. (laughs) He arose. Hallelujah. Christ arose. Oh, we don't serve a man on a crucifix cross. (laughs) We don't serve someone who's as an idol upon a piece of wood. We don't serve nor follow one who lies in a grave or a tomb. We serve a risen Savior. We serve a glorified, ascended Christ. Oh, we serve the living God. Mark 14 and verse 55 says, And the chief priests and all the council, hey, 
That's how you know you're not, you're popular. When the council even hear about you. And they want to get rid of you. Not only the, 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 the religious people. And not only the, 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 the pointy eggheads from scientific world. Uh, but when they get to the council and they all decide to come together and say, let's kill the Christ. Then you know you've made it. Brother, sister, when everyone's against you, then you know you've made it. When you're preaching righteousness for Christ. It's only then you know you're right. Then the chief priests and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death and find none. <laughs> See, he's spotless Lamb of God. Nevertheless, Jesus warned, he said he had prophesied to his disciples. Listen, speaking of himself in Luke 18 and 33, it says, he told them and they shall scourge him. Speaking of himself. And they shall scourge him and put him to death And the third day he shall rise again. John 11 and 53 says, They took counsel together to put him to death. Yes, the sinless, spotless, impeccable. What's the difference between the sinless and the spotless and and impeccable son of God? You see, he, he knew no sin. He did no sin. He was yet without sin. He was sinless. He was spotless. Impeccable means he could not sin. He was God. Oh, very God. But he felt every thing that you feel in humanity. He was in all points tempted like as we are. Yet without sin. That's my saviour. That's my saviour, not yours. They took him to put him to death. Christ our Passover is slaughtered. He's put to death. He is led as a lamb to the slaughter. Listen to what Mark, Mark 15 and 20 says. You'll also find it in Matthew 27, 31, John 19 and 16. Listen to Mark, Mark 15 and 20. And when they had mocked him and took off the purple from him, that is the purple robe, and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. They led him as a lamb to the slaughter. They led the lovely Lord down the Via Dolorosa, the sorrowful way. They led him like a lamb, a little sinless, innocent, spotless, harmless lamb to the slaughter. Mark 15 and 22 says, And they bring him onto the place, Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of a skull. And then in verse 24 we're told, They crucified him. They bring him to the place of death. An old Puritan called Christopher Ness, listen to what he said about the lovely Lord Jesus Christ. The precious Lamb of God gave up his golden fleece for us. The precious Lamb of God gave up his golden fleece for us. Old John Bunyan, listen to what he wrote in the sacrifice of our sins were laid on him. As a priest, he beareth them. And as an advocate, he acknowledges them to be his own. <laughs> In other words, on the cross, when he took your sin, and on the cross, when he took my sin, and the Father looked upon him, and he saw your sin and my sin upon him, there he is, burying it away in his own body on the tree. And as he did, he acknowledges it's mine on their behalf. 
He was made sin for us who knew not sin. And the wrath of God was poured out upon his son. The sky turned black. And the fullness of his wrath came upon Christ. So the wrath that was on me that I would be under, that I was under and would feel the fullness of his vengeance off on that day. The wrath that hovered over me. You know, if you're not in Christ, if you're not saved, if you're not trusting in the blood of Jesus, the wrath of God is on you. You don't like to hear that these days. People don't like to be told that, but we're told if you have not the Son, the wrath of God abides on you. Well, that wrath was poured out in him. And when the Lord looked at him in that river Jordan of baptism, said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, that beauty was placed upon me at the place called Calvary, washed in the blood of the Lamb, was placed upon you when you came to saving faith in Christ. Christ, our Passover sacrifice for us, looks our Passover for us. Let me show you something about for us, how salvation is off the Lord. Salvation is all from God. Salvation is not of yourself. He did it for us. He gave himself for us. He died for us. He was sacrificed for us. He was delivered for us. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 14. Listen to what he says. For the love of Christ constraineth us for us. His love, his love constrains me. The love of the cross, the love of his shed blood, the love of his dying, the love of his rising, him doing it for me, coming for me, praying for me in the glory, the man at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf, our great high priest in the glory. That love constrains me every day. In other words, it motivates me, it captivates me, and compels me to go on in him. To serve one another. What a Christ. What a Savior. Listen to the old Charles Haddon Spurgeon. I'm quoting quite a bit tonight, but listen. And this is what he says about the love of Christ constraining us. I quote him, To say the love of Christ constrains us is to say that the love of Christ has power. It has a force which can bind us and influence us. The love of Christ had pressed Paul's energies into one force, turned them into one channel, and then driven them forward with a wonderful force till he and his fellows had become a mighty power of good, ever active and energetic. Listen, the love of Christ motivates all those who love him, motivates them to go out and tell a lost world that Christ is the only way, the truth and the life, and only through the blood of Jesus can a man and woman be saved. That's the love of Christ. If I tell you cotton candy stories and sugar-coated poison, little stories that will wet your ears and tickle your fancies. If I was to do that, I won't love you enough. I don't love you. The man who tells you that from the pulpit that does not make it clear that without Christ, without God and without hope in the world, you will be an eternity without Christ. He doesn't love you enough. The man who warns you, flee from the wrath to come. He loves you. Galatians 1 and 4 
says of Christ, gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. In other words, when he died, he died that he might deliver us. No, he might deliver us. He might deliver us. Not we could deliver ourselves to him that he came and died that he might deliver us. 1 Thessalonians 1 and 10 speaks of the Lord Jesus which delivered us from the wrath to come. 1 Peter chapter 3 and 18 says, For Christ once suffered the sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. See, he might bring us to God. He might bring us. In other words, you see, a priest and a prophet have two different roles. A prophet brings God to the people. For thus saith the Lord. But the priest, he came in Israel and he brought the people to God. He has ascended into heaven and he brings us to God. That he might bring us to God, not that we could reach God ourselves, but that God became flesh and he brings us to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. First John 4 and 10 says, Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Listen, friend, brother, sister, you know this. We teach you this. You know it. You study it yourselves. You never chose Jesus. Not once. You didn't know how to. There's no way you could have. The Father chose you. How blessed you are. Deeply favored. Revelation 1, 5 and 6. Listen to the very heavenly chorus and may we all join it whenever we get there in that day in the kingdom of God. Revelation 1, 5 and 6. Unto him who hath loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Notice, he loved us. Unto him that loved us and washed us. He loved us. He washed us. How? With his own blood. And he made us. How does he make us? He makes us kings and priests unto God. To him be glory. See, there be no one will stand in the kingdom of God. There'll be no one in God's heaven who will claim anything of their own. For all will realize we're saved by grace through faith in it, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God and not of works, lest any man should boast. There's no boasting before him. Yes, Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Thank you for your attention. We're rounding this up this evening. In Exodus chapter 12, way in the Old Testament, we have what's known as the Lord's Passover. The Lord says, it's my Passover to Israel. Yet we're called, Jesus is called our Passover. In Exodus 12 and verse 12, the Lord has sent all those plagues, you know, of, in Egypt. And he says to Moses, tell Israel that I'm going to pass through Egypt this night. Notice he's passing through. Go read it when you get home. And if you read the proper translation, that's the KJV, you'll get the right translation, you'll get the right words for it. Some of them put these fancy highfalutin words in, they shouldn't be there. He says, this night I'm passing through. Through in judgment. The Egyptians, the unsaved, knew nothing about it. 
tell him to take a lamb. Spotless, no broken leg, no chaffing in the ear, no markings, a pure little lamb. Take its blood and put it in a bucket and put it upon the door, post and the door lintels with a hefts of brush. And listen to what he says. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against the gods, small g, the, the supposed gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment, God says. I am the Lord, he says. In other words, in my righteous judgment, you'll see that I am God. That's what he's saying. It says in verse 13, And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And I note that. The blood shall be a token upon the houses to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. Notice where you are. And when. Notice. And when. I see the blood. I will pass over you. When I see the blood, you know, maybe Moses is rehearsing this to some Israelites for a mixed multitude went out with Israel. They weren't of God's elect people and they go out with them and maybe some of them, just maybe from another uh, nation around about, maybe other slaves or whoever it was, maybe the Egyptians, and maybe they overheard Moses saying, take the blood of the lamb and apply it upon the doorpost and the door lintels of the house. And God says he's passing through Egypt this night and he's going to come in judgment and smite the firstborn. He says, but when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. Can you imagine by faith they take the blood and he's an Egyptian, or maybe he's from somewhere else in Africa, and he's putting the blood on it. He says, I'm just going to try, I'm just believing this word. I'm believing the bareness of this word. I'm just going to act by faith on the word. I don't know if it's true. I've never believed in this God before. But once they did that night, all their children are under the blood, and God recognized the blood, and he passed over them. It's the blood of the Lamb. Led as a lamb to the slaughter. And his sheep before his ears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. And his blood was shed at Calvary's tree. If you're trusting by faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, on the day you stand before God in judgment, he says, I see the blood of my son. I see the blood of my lamb. The Christian Passover. Christ our Passover has been sacrificed for us. And if you're saved, you're under the blood born of the Spirit. I'll close with this. The word token, the blood shall be a token. It's the word, it gives the idea of a sign, a signal, a beacon, a flag. The Lord's coming in judgment and there's the blood. The blood's like a flag waving to him. The blood's like a big ingot off to an airplane that doesn't crash into a tall building. That light that flashes. And as he's coming, he sees the blood there and the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. And everywhere Israel, where whoever was under the blood, he says, not there, not there, I'm passing over. I'm passing over. The blood of Jesus is our Passover lamb. 
the Lord Jesus said when he was breaking bread the night before, the night, same night in which he was betrayed, Matthew 26 and 18, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. So the blood of the Lord Jesus, it's no ordinary blood. Say this in our closing. It's no ordinary blood. Did you know God has blood? Bible tells us God has blood. Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 says, Feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. With his own blood. Jesus is God and he's man. Hebrews 13 and 12 says, Jesus also that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered without the gate outside the camp when they led him as a lamb to the slaughter. Ephesians 1 and 7 says of the Lord Jesus Christ in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. 1 Peter 1 and 19 says we are redeemed. We are not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold after the vain conversation or lifestyles and traditions of our fathers. He says, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. 1 John 1 and 7 says the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, Cleanse of us from all sin. Christ, our Passover, has sacrificed for us. I'm not looking to go. I remember seeing people on a trip to that well and wall. And listen, that's fair enough. You can go, you can go. That's up to yourself. None harm in it. But I remember someone sending a message online saying, Say a wee prayer for me when you're there. And even Jaligo. Say a prayer for me when you're there. It's no better than popery. Let's face it, it's no better than Rome. It's in Christ alone. In Christ alone. Did you hear me, friend? Salvation is of the Lord. It's in Christ alone. And if you want to be assured of heaven, if you want to be assured of God's kingdom and glory, it's in Christ alone. Make your calling and election sure. May God bless us where to all our hearts. For Jesus' name's sake. Amen.